Hey guys, thanks for checking out today's message. We're so glad that you joined us. We consider resources like this one to be supplemental. So if you do not have a church home and live in the greater Savannah area, we would love to invite you to one of our locations. If you're blessed by today's message and would like to invest into the life and ministry of City Church, you can do so by visiting citychurch.life and clicking give. Our hope is that you'll be blessed and encouraged as we dive into today's message. Today's uh, topic is going to be hashtag goals. Uh, the very first thing that you should do, uh, I think, when it comes to parenting is you should have a goal in mind, right? You should have, uh, you should have a vision for your children. Uh, and you need to begin the work of raising your children to know the Lord and to live for the Lord with the end in mind. And, and I'm not talking about like the end of the day or the end of the week. I'm not talking about like where can we be in one year. I am talking about a lot of what I just opened with sharing with you, and that is what could the end of their lives look like? right? Because if I can have a picture for what the end of their lives can, will, will, could look like, then I will have a direction for how I will guide and shape them along the way in hopes of getting them to that place. Now, I want to clarify that along in this process, you absolutely emphatically cannot please everyone. It is not possible for you to please everyone. If you are going to raise your children to know the Lord, I can assure you, especially in the culture we live in, that you will offend people along the way. People will think that you are crazy. People will say things like, that doesn't make any sense. But I want to tell you that if you're doing it because you want to please people, if you are parenting in such a way as to get yourself some attention, right, you're going to be missing the mark anyway. And so I'm not saying that criticism at all times is wrong. There are definitely times where I receive criticism, especially people who I consider to be uh, godly people that are further down the road and they give some advice. I want to listen to that. I want to adjust course as I'm going. But when it comes to just outside influence and perspective, I have learned to blow it off to not be engaged in the conversation and to not really honestly care about the emotions that somebody else might be uh, experiencing when it comes to my children. Uh, we experienced uh, this moment uh, years ago. We were on a subway in New York City and uh, we are all about the adventure. And so, yes, we could have taken a cab, we could have driven. We wanted them to experience the uh, subway and there was a, a lady on the subway who had an issue with large families. And so the six of us getting on created an issue for her. And uh, we got off of that subway. And Caitlin said, you know, why, was, why did she not like us? And I said to Caitlin, she's a mean, grumpy woman who needs Jesus. And I really don't care what she thinks, right? I want her to know Jesus, but I do not want her influence in the way that I'm raising my children. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So, so there's, there's this thing, it's like, oh, we need to love everybody and care about everybody. Everybody does need Jesus, don't get me wrong, right? I'm gonna share the gospel, right? But you are not going to take uh, your non-gospel voice and uh, me give you a pipeline into my home as a means of sharing the gospel with you. That's not gonna happen, right? 
So I have a responsibility to my children, and I understand that I cannot please everyone. Uh, I, I, uh, there is a, uh, well, let me, let me just say this too, when it comes to not pleasing everyone, this happens inside the home too. So I have four kids, and there are times when I am parenting one of them, and the others are not happy about it. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, if you have more than one kid, but I get it all the time. But when you're talking to him, you don't do that. Or I don't see you saying that to her when you're talking to her. And, and this is one of the reasons why we try to, and we'll talk about discipline in a few weeks, but this is one of the reasons why we try to, to, to navigate as much discipline as we can in private with, with each child, right? One-on-one, not in front of all the other children, so that we can go, you don't know what we do when we're dealing with them in private. But I can tell you that just sometimes does not help, right? And it can create some huffy, puffy kids in the house who are convinced that they've got everything figured out right? So the world can be outside of the house and the world can be inside of the house. Proverbs says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And you, I'm going to tell you right now, if you are a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, you're going to find out just foolishness just shows up and they just say things and they do things. And you're just in your mind like, what is wrong with you? And, and Carmen and I ask the question all the time, like, like, are we, are we missing something, right? And, and we're doing everything we can with the tools and resources that we have in front of us, but we live in a world that's constantly changing. And our kids are, are in that world, not of that world, but because they're in that world, they see things, they hear things, and it has influence in their lives. And we come back to the place where it's like, we're not here to please our children. We're here to shape and mold our children. Now, When it comes to goals, I would say that there is great value in starting something for the glory of God. So just saying, you know what, when it comes to uh, my children, uh, today I'm establishing a goal, I'm working towards helping them get to this place, I believe that just declaring that goal brings glory to God. And, 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 and as we talk about goals, I want to say this, that, that learning how to set goals and learning how to, to set goals that honor God, those, that needs to begin before you have children. Now, if you already have children, sometimes you're just going to be thrown in the midst of this thing as you're kind of like, okay, I've got to make some changes. I've got to do things a little bit differently. But if you don't have kids yet, there are some great opportunities in front of you to learn how to set godly goals because there's a lot of value, but there's greater value in finishing those goals. And so learning how to set goals and finish goals is really critical because we live in a society where we're really great at starting things, but we're not always faithful at finishing things. And I can tell you that raising children, 16 years now, that, that if I were to stop at any point along the way, I would not see the fruit that I've been aiming for. And the goal is an end goal. It's not, a, uh, it's not like a weight loss goal, right? So I'm not saying that a weight loss goal isn't a good idea. I, I could use having a weight loss goal, right? What happens when you have a weight loss goal is you have this goal of I'm going to lose this weight. And then when you lose that weight, then it's like, all right, I, I can have a donut. 
I, I can go to get a cheeseburger now. And, 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 the, and in your mind, you begin to think about like the process of now I can cheat more often than I used to cheat, right? Okay, and that's because we set a goal and once we reach the goal, life is still going. So we just kind of keep moving and then that goal kind of adjusts and the weight comes back on. And then what do we do? We set another weight loss goal and we go back into the gym and we go back into the diet. When it comes to things that are really like, of uh, uh, the type of value that our children are, we're talking about a goal that is, that is in place through the duration of their lives. That means that, that means that part of finishing strong for the glory of God means that I have things in place that will continue to impact them once I'm gone. Proverbs 13 says that uh, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, right? So the scripture is filled with these, these little nuggets of of truth and importance that raising up children isn't just about what you do while they're inside of your home for some period of time, but it's thinking about how you're impacting them even after you're gone. And so we create those moments. Uh, several years ago, when The Dark Knight Rises comes, came out, uh, the third in what is arguably the best Batman series that has ever been made, uh, if you don't agree, um, as Simon says, it's okay to be wrong. Uh, he said that to me the other day. Uh, and I, I, I was excited. A group of people from here at the church went to go see it. So that was several years ago. And uh, uh, Isaac uh, wanted to go see it, but it was a midnight premiere. And so we had told him that it was going to be too late. And so that night we were getting ready and Isaac all night had been like, you know, man, I just can't wait till I'm older. And we got him in his pajamas. We got all the kids in bed. And he was like, dad, you got to tell me everything about it tomorrow when you get home. Uh, and he was, he actually said, will you just wake me up when you get back and tell me if it was good or not? And uh, so I remember that uh, we had this, we, it was so awesome, it was so perfect. I came in, I said, okay, buddy, I'm getting ready to leave. I love you. I'm just coming to tuck you in one more time. And he was like, have fun. And uh, I reached down and I was like, what's the, I've got an extra ticket for tonight. And he was like, what does that mean? And I was like, would you like to go? And he started freaking out and, and just jumping on the bed. And uh, I told him to get dressed. And so we went and watched the movie and uh, we had a great time. And let me tell you, this is what I did. When we got done at like two o'clock in the morning, we pulled up to the house and we were done for the night and I did not get out of the car. I said, hey, wait just a second. I said, uh, did you have a good time tonight? And he said, yes. And I said, you know, I, I do things like this to create moments that you, for the rest of your life, will remember. Moments where you see the character of a dad who loves his son and, and invests in his son, spends time with him. I do that intentionally. And I said, uh, I said, now one day you're going to be a dad if God blesses you. It'll be the greatest blessing that he'll give you. But if he blesses you that way, one day you're going to be a dad. And what I'm asking of you is for you to create moments like this with your children, Right? And so why would I do that? I do that because I, I know that there's an anchor to this movie, right? I know that I've created a memory that he's going to hold on to. And I want to honestly capitalize on the fruit of that in the moment and, and, and set a seed in his heart that one day you're going to be a dad. And it doesn't matter what the world around you is doing and saying about parenting. Take time and create memories and moments in your children's lives and do that, 
right? And so we, we are thinking in terms of the end and, and how can we impact the end even when our end has come and gone, right? So the only way that you can do that is if you are aware of the end, if you have a goal in mind, if you are thinking in terms of how it is that you're going to impact them. So Carmen and I are raising our kids to know Jesus better than we do, to love Jesus more than we do, and to serve Jesus with everything they are. And this is, this is the vision that Carmen and I come back to. Carmen and I come back to this vision. It's like we, wanna, we in our own pursuit and relationship with God, we are in pursuit. We want to know Jesus. We want to know Jesus in an amazing way, but we want our children to know him even better than we do. For all the time and energy that we put into our relationship with Christ, we want them to have a relationship with Christ that supersedes that. And the thing about a vision is a vision, I've heard it described, it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a filter, like a net, right? And so if you will use that uh, as, a, as a process for whether or not you do things or how you do things, you'll find that it will filter out things that hurt it. And I'll just give you a for instance, right? So, so Isaac uh, comes one day, uh, and I'm going to pick on Isaac because he's the oldest and the toughest, and he can handle you guys making fun of him. He's in the back. Um, he comes to us when he's very young, and he uh, is begging us to let him watch Twilight, begging us. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, what is this Twilight nonsense, Right? And so uh, uh, he just had seen the T-shirts in Walmart. The pre- I don't know what he had seen. A little, uh, the, the devil was whispering at him as he was walking around. I have no idea. And uh, I told Carmen, I said, I don't know anything about this. I'm going to rent it and we're going to watch it. And uh, she was not interested, so she went to bed. And uh, so I sat there and I, I started the movie and I, it's this movie, and I'm sure most of you know, but it's uh, about a uh, family of vampires and who, who perpetually go to high school. I mean, like, if you did not think vampires were going to hell, I want to tell you the movie clarifies they live in it, okay? <laughs> I, I don't know. I sit there and meet with people and they're like, oh man, if I could go back to high school. I'm like, dude, you're doing life wrong if you want to go back to high school. Like you are missing something, okay? All right. So they're perpetually in high school and there's this girl that's in high school who is not a vampire and I guess he wants to like chew on her or something. (laughs) And so he's just always a jerk to her. And I'm like, this is really odd. And I think we got about halfway into the movie and they're in the cafeteria and something's going on. And he turns to her and he's like, he's like, we, we can't be friends anymore. And I just lost it. And I was like, I started screaming and Carmen's like getting out of bed. What's going on? I'm like, this guy has been a complete and total jerk to her the entire movie. And now he tells her he can't be her friend anymore. I'm like, what has happened? Like, like when we were in school, friends, like they did things for each other, right? And now it's like, I have, I am real. You thought I was being mean to you, but I was your friend. Now it's on. And I was done with it, right? I was done with it. I told Isaac, I said, buddy, we're not going to see it. Why? Because I can tell you right now, emphatically, and I'm sure I'll get an email about how Twilight changed somebody's life, but it did not in any way help them to know uh, Jesus better than we do. It did not help them to love Jesus more than we do. And it certainly wasn't going to teach them to serve Jesus, right? With all that they are. And now Isaac is old enough and he tells me regularly, dad, thank you. Thank you 
for saying no in that season of my life, right? <laughs> and so, so, so there'll just be moments where things happen. And, and if you have an end in mind, you can apply that end, that goal, that vision, you can apply it to the circumstance. And what'll happen is there'll be times where it's like, you know what, uh, this is gonna have value in community and it's not gonna be detrimental to this. And we'll go, yeah, you can go and watch that movie, right? But when we identify a, a, a moment or an opportunity that is contrary to the vision, that's where we draw the line and we say, hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna walk in this, in this moment here today. We're going to put that off until you're a little bit older or maybe until you're making your own decisions so you can screw your own life up, right? Okay, <laughs> the vision leads when we have the end in mind, okay? So I asked my kids, uh, what kind of animal would you be? If you could be any type of animal, what kind of animal would you be? And Isaac told me that he would be a griffin, right? And uh, I thought, that's pretty spectacular. Uh, why would you be a, a griffin, right? And he said, uh, he said and, and this was just a few weeks ago as we were preparing for the series, I, I said, why would you do that? And he said, because I imagine that a griffin is the type of animal that sits at the feet of God. And I, I'd like to be able to do that. And I thought, man, that's, uh, that's, uh, uh, there's a vision completion piece right there for me, right? Uh, and, and what I have realized is the things that are creative in my kids' lives, the things that they desire to be, embody how they view themselves in this world, right? And, uh, and so Isaac tells me, I, I'd, I'd like to be a griffin. Caitlin says that if she could be anything, it would be a unicorn, Right? And I'm like, why a unicorn? And of course, I get all the answers because they're sparkly and they're colorful, uh, but they're precious and they're unique. And not everybody has the opportunity to see one. And so it's not just a really special thing, but it's a special thing for the people that get to interact with it. And let me tell you, that is definitely a perspective I'm instilling in my daughter, that she is unique, that she is special, and that people who get to interact with her are experiencing something special, right? I asked Ezra, I said, what kind of animal would you be? And he said, a lightning dragon. <laughs> and uh, I was like, so tell me about, about this. And, and Ezra is... Ezra is a, is a kid who uh, is, uh, and I'll get to Zoe in just a moment. I'm going out of order in age, but on purpose. Uh, uh, but, but Ezra is our kid that really is uh, the least defiant that we've had. He just very much is like, okay, he's also the sneakiest that we've had, right? And so, so he does not pitch a fit when we tell him he can't have candy. He has figured out that if he just doesn't ask and goes and gets the candy, <laughs> that it's a different conversation altogether, right? And so we're navigating these things. And so I was like, tell me about a dragon. Tell me about a dragon. And he said, well, dragons can be very heroic and save the day. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. He goes, but they can also be super bad. And they can hurt people really bad. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what kind of dragon are you? And he goes, oh, I'm definitely a dragon that saves the day. I just am fully aware that not all dragons can be trusted. And I thought, oh, I like this, right? Okay, so he's identifying who he is, what he, how he sees himself. But he also understands that 
that just because he is the hero doesn't mean that all heroes are good people, right? And so, of course, we go and I'm asking Zoe this question. And if you've spent any time around Zoe, Zoe gets one-tracked mind, right? It's just like, boom, whatever it is. And if he is trying to say something to you and you're trying to change the subject, you can go five minutes changing the subject. And then he's going to say what he was originally going to say. He does not let go of it. And so he is rock and roll. That's the animal that he would be. And, uh, uh, and he loves music. Uh, and I'll tell you that uh, Zoe uh, identifies with music. He identifies with the idea of being a worship leader. Uh, he constantly says that uh, he wants to have uh, praise and worship concerts. He wants to lead worship. And uh, if you're ever at the house and he convinces you to be a part of one, he always begins with a, uh, like a count off uh, on the drums. And then he screams, let's worship God. And then he goes right in and so uh, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that as we shape our kids and we invest in our kids and we encourage them to be creative and we encourage them to be people who dream, uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how the things that they dream really are catalysts for how they see themselves in the world. And, and, and I would encourage you, like, I think that you would find that if you did this exercise, even for yourself, like, what type of animal do I see myself as, you would probably find that that animal embodies a lot of the types of attributes that you either hope to be or that you are. And so uh, it really speaks to the way that our minds connect with our identity, that it's all wrapped up together. And, and this is why it's so important to have the end in mind and be guarding exactly what our kids are consuming, what else is being added into the end game so that we can make sure that in their lives, they're seeing themselves embodying something great in their lives. Okay? Um, so... Uh, kings and queens, uh, uh, and, and the idea of setting goals. I want my kids to one day see themselves the way that the word of God sees them, and that is as royalty in the kingdom of heaven. They are sons and daughters meant for greatness, to be kings and to be queens. And I want that to be deep inside of them so that even when the world around them is coming at them and challenging this identity, that they are able to look at the enemy and look at the world and say, that is not who I am. I am a son. I am a daughter of the most high God that created everything and he cares about me and he sees me as royalty. And I want them to have not arrogance but confidence in their lives. So, so what is the process of putting together these goals? Uh, the first thing is you've got to set the goal. All right, the very first thing that you've got to do is establish that vision statement. What is it that you hope in their lives that, that, that um, they accomplish? What is it that you hope that they become? Now, this is true for any of us, right? We need to set the goal in order to get to the end. We have to establish the goal in order to get there. So we establish the goal. So uh, you have got to have a burden. 
You have to have a burden for what it is you're trying to accomplish. This is why so many New Year's resolutions fail, is that we look through the lens of, of, of pop culture or the lens of coworkers, and we see what other people are striving for. And because inside of us, there's this idea that I need to conform, we begin to establish these new goals, but we're not really burdened for them. And so partway through the process, we abandon them. So if you do not have a burden for the thing that you're trying to put a goal in, if you're not, if you don't have a burden for it, I'm going to tell you, you won't see it through. It's just a reality in the situation. Look here in Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is uh, uh, not living in Israel. It's been, uh, I think it's almost 200 years since the fall of Israel. He is in exile. He is serving the king. But he doesn't know exactly how bad it is in Israel, right? And so there's no social media, email, Things take a while to be retold. And so the word gets back uh, uh, to Nehemiah. It says here in chapter 1, verse 3, And they said to me, The remnant there is the province who had survived the exile, who had survived the exile, is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So he sees Jerusalem specifically as a place of great importance in his own heart, right? He sees this as a, as a very significant uh, uh, physical location, and now word has come that the, that the wall has been knocked down, the gates are destroyed. This means that this city, this, this place that he cherishes and loves is now open to the attack of the enemy. Now, this had happened, again, I, I want to let you know, decades and decades before. This was not like currently happening, but it was just now being told to him. And it says here, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So what happens here is that he has a burden for this city and inside of him births a goal, and it is a ridiculous goal. It is an unachievable goal. It is to go back to Jerusalem and see the wall restored and the, and the gates to the city put back in place and for the city to be fortified again. Why is this not possible? Because he is a servant of the king, and the king's uh, ancestors are the ones that did this and the king that he serves hasn't done anything to correct it the king that he serves doesn't care the king that he serves regularly does this to other cities and other people and Nehemiah establishes in his heart a burden and says God somehow some way this has got to be fixed there has got to be some type of reconstruction and I, I want to tell you that as he began to declare this, as he began to establish this vision, God opened doors that were impossible. God made a way when there was no way. And Nehemiah was absolutely not only released for a season from his position, but the king gave him the resources and funded the rebuilding of the wall. And I, I just want to tell you that, that, that when you set goals that bring glory to God, whether it is 
the way that we're raising our children or it is the, the passions that you pursue in life, it is not just from good Christian people that blessing will come. God will stir the hearts of the most vile enemies in the world and he will turn their resources in your direction and in your favor. Solomon wrote, he said that God stores the wealth of the world the riches of mankind into the hands of those who are evil so that he can use them as a place to redistribute the wealth for the righteous. And so he'll allow the enemy to think that he has amassed a storehouse of wealth just so that God can show up and have the enemy distribute it to righteousness. And so when we set goals that honor God, we position ourselves to be in a place where we receive the resources that are needed. But if you don't care, you won't care. And if you set a goal and you don't have a burden for it, you won't have a burden to see it through. Period. Any goal that you set If you're not burdened for that thing, you will not be burdened to see it through. And when resistance comes, you will push it off. So the first thing that we do is we establish the goal. Once the goal is established and we have a burden for what we're doing, we need to understand something. And that is that we need to be prepared for distractions. If you're setting a goal to bring glory to God, the enemy does not want God to be glorified. The world doesn't care about God being glorified. And so the enemy is going to try to distract you. And many cultures throughout history, and I would argue even the cultures that are present here today and even the one that we live in, they see glorifying God as a threat to their way of life. And so anything that can be said or done to distract you from a goal that brings glory to God, you need to know that, that, that anything could happen. There aren't little boundaries that the enemy operates within where he goes, well, I'll only go so far to distract you. You need to be prepared for great distraction to come. In chapter 6, they're building the wall, right? They're building the wall. And this is impacting the uh, revenue stream and the uh, society position of leaders who have been established there now. They did not get sent into exile. When this wall comes up, they will no longer be the ones that are making money by brokering peace. The city will defend itself. And so you have leadership within the city that does, they have a vested interest in this wall not being reestablished. They have a vested interest in the gates not being manned and guarded, and they don't want it to happen. And they begin the process of trying to shut this thing down. It says that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Hecrophirum in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. And what the goal of the enemy will be when you set a goal as lofty as raising children to know the Lord every day of their lives, the enemy will want to distract you. Because even if the enemy can't cut you down, tear you down, if the enemy can get you distracted so that there is a season where there is a different influence into that young person's life, 
then other seeds are being planted. And the same thing, I'm just telling you, this is a universal principle when it comes to setting godly goals in our lives. The enemy knows if we get distracted, we will not see those things through. Listen to what he says. And I sent messengers messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Man, what what a great way to view the goal. Why should I waste my time? Why should I waste my time by coming over here and dealing with this when what I am doing is radically bringing change and transformation? It's glorifying God. And this is the exact same thing when it comes to my children. I have to be very guarded that I am not allowing distractions to come in that keep me from being able to do what is needed in their lives. It says, and they sent to me four times in this way and I answered them in the same manner. The enemy will be persistent. The distractions will be persistent and consistent and you have to be aware that they're coming. You have to be aware and you have to have a goal that you're burdened for so that that burden outweighs the distraction so that with boldness you can stand. And let me tell you, don't expect support. I'm not saying you won't get support, but don't set a goal like raising your children, expecting society or people in your lives to come along and constantly be the ones fixing things. Because if you do, you have created your own distraction. Because when it gets difficult and it will get difficult, instead of pressing through, instead of pushing forward, you will be standing there at the door looking out the window saying, where is my help? And I'm going to tell you, the only help that you need is that of the Holy Spirit at work inside of you. And God is fully aware of your situation, and he will send support when he wants to send support, and he will let you stand on the top of the wall and look at distractions and and declare over and over and over, I am doing a great work, I do not have time for this, and then your job is to pick up the hammer and go right back to what you were doing. And don't be surprised when support drops. There will definitely be people who show up in your lives with any goal that you have, and they seem to be running alongside of you. They seem to be there to to be partnering with you. And for whatever reason, they can get distracted. They can drop their relationship with God, or God can move them in a different direction. Don't be surprised when support that you are enjoying, support that is coming around and building you up, begins to fall to the side because it absolutely will happen. But if the goal that you've established brings glory to God, then the goal that, you establish, that you've established is worth pursuing even if you're on the course by yourself. And I can tell you that, 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 that I have watched many parents on the course, pushing forward while their kids have gotten off. But they keep pushing forward with the goal in mind. And they're not getting support from their kids who, they're, who the goal is for. And that might be you here today. That might be where you're at. You may have a child that is just is not on the path. But I want to tell you, do not get distracted 
by the fact that they're not on the path, keep pushing forward and establishing the, 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 the precedences for the goal that you have for them so that when they step back onto that path, they have every tool that they need to succeed to the end of their lives. So set the goal, prepare for distractions, and prepare for pain. Prepare for pain. Doing what God has called you to will always have a cost. A godly goal has an expense tied to it. It's going to cost you something. I will say that any woman who has ever brought a child into this world knows that bringing the child had some pain with it, right? I remember when Isaac was born and uh, Carmen had told me, you know, uh, you've got to be tough, you've got to be strong in there, you've got you've to be the, the coach that's just telling me to keep going, you can do it, you can make it. And, and I got into that place and I was right down there beside her holding her hand and, and I'm just, I'm looking at her in the eyes, I'm like, you can do this, you can do it, you know, and I'm, I'm doing what I th- thought she had said and she looked over at me and she said, stop right now (laughs) and let me tell you I was okay with that I was like you are so in charge right now right and I was like whatever it is that you want now Isaac came and we were blessed and 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 everything was amazing and then Carmen had uh, been influenced by a group of women who had done the all-natural birth and so she decided that uh, uh, she, for the next child, was not going to have an epidural. Now, I am not going to lie to you. I, would, I am all about the medicine. I, if they would give me an epidural in there, I would let them give me an epidural, all right? But whatever it is that she wants, that's what she gets because when we're going through seasons of pain, right, and somebody is feeling the pain, they have to get through it. I could not handle Carmen being in a position of so much pain that she gave up. I don't want that. I want to see her get through the pain. And so we get in there, and she gets in, and she's doing really great. And if I remember correctly, she actually got to a place where she was like, okay, give me the epidural. And the doctor was like, it's too late. (laughs) And so she didn't get it, right? Yeah, she didn't get it. And she was like, okay, then that's fine. And so Caitlin came with no epidural and uh, immediately following that, uh, Carmen noted something. This is what she noted. And, And I think this is really good. She said that there was a big difference in the initial victory. She said when she had taken the drugs and given birth to Isaac, those drugs were still in her system when she held Isaac for the first time. And she said that when she didn't take the drugs and held Caitlin, the pain was over and the drugs were out of her system. So where the, where the drugs, the things that we take in to numb the pain, the side effect is they also numb the victory. And she said, I'd rather press through the pain next time and not have the victory numbed. I want to be more in tune with what's happening. Man, that's, that's an encouraging thing to think in terms of how, like, I want to be able to get through the, through the pain and the difficult seasons and the difficult moments of the goal that I have, and I want to be in a place where I can rejoice in the victory. I don't want to be numbed out during the victory. But I'm going to tell you that sometimes pain will come. Chapter 6, verse 10, now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, 
son of Mehetabel. I'm making these names up as we go in case you were wondering. I think some pastors do it in a way where it's like, man, they're really scholared and schooled. There's no Bible, there's no how to pronounce names in Bible school. It's not a class. Uh, Who was confined to his home. He said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. Can you imagine working so hard to do something to bring glory to God just to find out that now your enemies, they're, they're moving from a place of distraction and trying to hurt you to where now they're at a place where it's like, I, we just need to kill this guy. Like, like it's just got to happen, right? And let me tell you, that's not, that's not, Nehemiah doesn't go, oh man, that's just, that's more than I signed up for. That's not what happens. In fact, Nehemiah keeps pressing. And do you know that the timing of this threat was just within reach of everything being achieved? They are are right on the, the cusp of success. They are right on the very end where the wall is going to be finished. The gates are going to be established and this city is going to get a new structure and the things that he's been burdened for are going to happen. They're, they're coming to fruition. And, and what? The enemy wants to kill him now. And I can tell you that if you set a goal in your life that honors God, and it's worth chasing and pursuing, there will be distractions, there will be a lack of support, but there will come a time where there will be pain. But God is faithful. And you have to remember that. And you have to declare that. And you have to hold on to it. And you have to say, it might feel like hell right now, but I know eternity is on the other side. It might, it might, it might be really difficult. I might, I might feel like I just don't have it in me, but I know if I take another step, I'm going to step in to the fulfillment of the promise that I made to God and God made to me and the goal that I set forth is going to come to an end and God's going to be glorified. And in this case, my children's lives are going to be transformed. Pain is real. It's a reality of our lives. And we walk through all types of little microaggressions in our lives where we, we lose a pet that we love or, or we put a nail through our foot or our hand or, or we, 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 we fall and break an arm or, or whatever it is. Our, our boyfriend, girlfriend breaks up with us. Our world falls apart. And we go through all of that hurt and all of that pain because you know what all of those little things teach us along the way? That we're a lot tougher than we give ourselves credit for. And that there's some real pain that's going to show itself one day. And you know what happens when that real pain shows up? We're able to look it in the eyes and move through it. I'm going to share one more story. Uh, Eight years ago, uh, I was uh, working on a job site, installing speakers at a church. And it was out in the middle of nowhere. And there was uh, no power in the building. But uh, I had to get the... uh, the mounts put up into the ceiling for uh, inspection. So I had taken Isaac with me and I had to cut this pipe and I had a a battery powered uh, reciprocating saw. And I said, Isaac, I just need you to hold the pipe and I'll make the cut. And Isaac was like, no, you're going to cut me. And I was like, Isaac, I am definitely not going to cut you. All I need you to do is hold the pipe and I'll make the cut. And Isaac uh, held the pipe and he was very scared. And the first time that the saw just kind of 
jerked a little bit. He let go of the pipe because he was afraid, and the saw bounced up and then skidded up my arm. And so just a number of cuts went just right into me. They were very thin. They didn't even scar, but they did break, and I was bleeding, and it did not feel good, right? And, uh, of course, my immediate reaction was like, you know, my flesh was like, Isaac! And uh, I was like, wait here, I'll be back. And so all there was was a porta potty. So I went in the porta potty and I used that sink that they had in there and I washed it down and I took a paper towel and some electrical tape and I taped it up and I came back out and Isaac was gone. And so I'm like frantically looking for him and I find him in the floorboard of the back seat of the car and he's all balled up. And I'm like knocking on the door and he's staring at me and I'm like, unlock the door. Come on, unlock the door. And he finally unlocks it. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, I, I thought I'd killed you. <laughs> and I was telling this story again, uh, actually yesterday. And Isaac was like, it seemed like a solid plan. Just go and hide until they come looking for us. Right. And, uh, but the, the, the truth is, is that, that it, it was pretty painful I still had to get the job done, and uh, I, I, there was nowhere for me to go. There was no drugstore to go to and go get proper bandages. If you're a doctor, I know you're probably thinking, like, this is a bad idea, but, but I had to get the job done. And I just, I just want to tell you, like, like, for me, I'm not trying to make you think, like, whoa, Jim's super tough. I just, I've had some stuff happen, you know? I've put some nails through my hands with a nail gun. I've stepped on stuff on a construction site. I, it it just happens and I'm not bleeding out and I just, I got to keep moving. And because I've walked through some, some levels of pain, I know that I'll get through some, some really difficult pain, right? Cause it's either going to kill me and take me to be with Jesus or make me stronger. And I don't know how to, how to, how to help you get there, but something can click in your mind where you can start going, you know what? I'm going to get through this. I'm going to move through this. I'm going to figure this out. Oh, they're coming to kill me. Psh, we're going to keep building this wall. Let them come. They can come and kill me. I'm building. This. They're not, that, that, not going to hit me until the wall is done. The wall is going to get done. When the wall's done, I don't care what happens. I'm getting through this scenario to get the wall built. You see, when I know the end, I find the fight to push through the pain. You're almost there. Just a, just a little bit more, right? You go to the gym and you hear coaches say that all the time. Just, just five more, right? And you get to five and they're like, three more. And you're like, I can count. I'm not an idiot, right? Same thing in the birthing process. The doctor's over there and it's like, you're almost there, right? And I'm peeking over. I'm like, she's not even close, right? But the doctor's like, he knows the end is in sight, right? He knows that it's coming and I'm not gonna contradict him. I'm not gonna look over at Carmen and go, he's lying to you right now, like, <laughs> There's nothing going on, you know? I know better than that. So set the goal, prepare for distractions, prepare for pain, and I'll close here with this. Goals, it should say, keep you connected to God. Setting godly goals will keep you connected to God. You see, the goal pushes me to prayer. If I set a goal that honors God, this is what happens, that as the distractions come and the pain comes and it's more and more difficult, and let me tell you what I'm doing if I'm in right relationship with God. I'm on my knees praying. And I can tell you this, I have good kids. I have not experienced any major catastrophe in their character or behavior in the 16 years that we've been blessed for being parents, but 
Even so, I pray more today than I did when they came. I spend more time in prayer today than I did than I did when they were just coming into our lives. And the reason is, is I have a goal to see something great happen. And every time that the enemy raises its head and support drops off or pain presents itself and I'm pressing through, I'm telling you my heart, my mind is turned to Jesus because I know that he's the one that I need. He's the one that I need. And this is what I know beyond that when it comes to parenting is that he's the one that they need. And they need him when I'm gone. They need him if the world turns on Jesus and they make it illegal to worship like it is in some countries. I know that I need them to need Jesus so much that if it's an underground church, it's an underground church. And if it's a society that receives and accepts them for their faith, then it's a society where they proudly proclaim with boldness their faith in Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, when you have godly goals, pushing through will draw you closer to God. It will do it through prayer. The goals will honor God. And when the goals honor God, the goal sets me up for blessing. Can I tell you that because I'm raising my children the way that I'm raising them and because I'm fighting for them the way that I'm fighting for them, when God brings blessing in to help make that happen, that blessing has this side effect of blessing my life transitioning my home and the, the, the resources that I have. I receive blessing because I have a goal that I'm pursuing for somebody else. God is faithful. I want us to stand to our feet as we close today. If you would right now, just where you're at, just bow your heads and close your eyes out of respect for the people who are in the room. The first thing I want to do is I want to pray for those of you uh, who are in here and or maybe you're at home watching this online. Uh, Maybe it's today. Maybe you're watching this in a couple of years and you're a believer. You love Jesus. you're You're engaged in this conversation because of your faith. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that, that, that God would, would bless you in the goals that you've already established. I want to pray that God would give you the audacity to, to dream up some new ones. Maybe you have children and, uh, I mean, the whole gamut can be represented you're, you're expecting your first one. You've got young ones in the house. You've got some of, of a varying ages from high school down, living in the home, or maybe your children are grown and they're even starting families of their own. It doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum. Can I tell you, God is faithful. Establish a vision, set a goal, and begin to pursue Him and begin to pursue the end not of your life, but their lives. I want to tell you that God will be faithful. God will be faithful. Learn to be the type of people who set goals. Learn to be the type of people who finish them. So I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for those in this, in this space, those that are, 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 are in tune right now online, that, that you would be stirring in their hearts a passion to see things through. 
that even if their intentions are, even, even if the intention is to raise children to know Jesus, that it would move from an intention to a written out and established plan that it would move to a genuine and true work in their lives. I pray that for those that, that would struggle with the goal of raising children, that maybe as believers, they would begin to establish some other goals, some shorter term goals that glorify you. And that God, they would press through and that they would see your faithfulness at work in their lives. Father, we thank you. And we call back every child that has turned away. God, we, we declare your truth and your word and we, 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 we cry out now for them to hear the Holy Spirit and be drawn back into your presence. Help us to be a part of establishing a next generation that's filled with kings and queens, royalty of heaven, that love you and serve humanity, that the kingdom of heaven would be advanced. In your mighty name, amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just one more thing. Maybe you're in here today and you're not in right relationship with God. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus to be Lord of your life. Or maybe you're in this place and you're far from him and you know that you need to repent and set some things right that you need to bring some things to the cross the scripture says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord we will be saved and whether you're sitting in here right now or whether you're watching this online that tugging that that question that's going inside of you that's the Holy Spirit saying I'm here and I want you And if that's you and you would respond to that, to that tugging right now, I want you to pray with me. Father, Father, we, we pray for those that are, are feeling the tugging of the Holy Spirit right now, calling them to a place of repentance. Move in their lives. And if that's you, just pray this prayer. Say, Father, I love you. I declare you to be King and Lord of my life. Today I surrender all that I am into your perfect will and I claim the destiny you created me for. I claim the destiny that is purposed from the beginning of time for me. Have your way in my life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.